Hallelujah. Collide, let's make some noise for Jesus tonight. Oh, come on, y'all. It's the last night. We may as well turn up like it's the last night. Come on. Can we make some noise for Jesus? Anybody excited and glad that you came to Collide 2015? I'm telling you, I, I say it all the time, but it's for real, for real tonight. I'm not just excited to be here. I am Red Bull excited, espresso elated. I'm telling you, I just, I've had FOMO all week, uh, fear of missing out, just watching the silent disco and watching y'all just lift up the name of Jesus. But I'm just glad that my face is back in the place at New Life. How many believe God's going to do something awesome on the last night? Come on. Unbelievable. It's amazing. And uh, I'm telling you, what's happening here, and you give me a little bit more on this mic, what's happening here is uh, not ordinary. It is extraordinary. Uh, that's because of the grace and the favor of God that's on this church. And uh, I'm sure this has been done over the week of this conference, but I just want to do this and take time to give honor to where honor is due. Because uh, so many times in our generation, we think uh, we started from the bottom. Now we're here. That, that's not true. We don't, we don't start from the bottom. We start from the top because we stand on the shoulders of the spiritual giants that go before us. And I just want to thank God that you have senior pastors and leaders who care enough, come on, about the next generation to let us have this amazing conference. Come on, can we thank God for Pastor Rick and Michelle? Come on, you don't get better than that. Come on, y'all could do better than that, especially young people. Can you make some noise? Come on. Come on, let them know how much you love them. Let them know how much you appreciate them. That's what I'm talking about. Thank you so much for letting this happen, for letting us wreck the sanctuary and fill it with Axe body spray and all other kinds of stuff for <laughs> these amazing two days. And then I'm telling you, I absolutely love your youth pastor. He is the real deal, has a heart for this generation. Come on, he's my white chocolate brother. Help me thank God for Pastor Chris. Come on. Come on, do you love him? He's the best. Hey, we're going to have a good time. I'm excited to get into the word that God has given me. I really believe uh, God's going to put an exclamation point on what's happened this week. Uh, I do bring you greetings from Dallas, Texas. Now, I am, I am a Texan, but you can't hold it against me because I'm a smart Texan because I married an Arkansas girl. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> married an Arkansas girl. In fact, uh, this month we'll celebrate three years of marriage uh, to the finest woman on the planet. She's from El Dorado, Arkansas. And uh, usually she travels with me. She's not here with me uh, tonight because she's, uh, it's a new season for us. I don't know if we even had her when we were here last time, but I, I became a dad 10 months ago, people. I'm a dad. It's awesome. Fatherhood is the best hood. I love being a dad. And uh, you, you know how some rookie dads are. As soon as they become a dad, they think their kid is the most beautiful kid in the world. And they always putting up pictures of their kid because they want everybody to see how wonderful and special their kid is. Can I tell you something, Collide Conference? I'm not that dad. I would never, on the last night of this conference, put a picture of my baby girl on the screen so you can see how beautiful she is. I would not do that. This is about me preaching Jesus, not you seeing how beautiful my daughter is. So we ain't going to do it, and we ain't got to worry about it because we good, all right? That's not true. Can y'all put my baby girl on every screen up in here? Woo! Come on, Kalad. People, I made that. I made that. Oh, 
Um, that's my beautiful baby girl. Oh, I miss her so much. Her name is Everly Adair Madu, and we call her Evie. And I love being a dad. I pray more. I got about five shotguns now. It's awesome. And uh, believe it or not, believe it or not, Kalia Commerce found out three weeks ago, three weeks ago, we having baby number two in February. Hello, somebody. A friend of mine said, Robert, you are cray-cray. He said, you know what causes that, right? I said, I do. And I'd be telling my wife, I was like, can we just have one night where we just cuddle and we just talk and we just connect emotionally? But she don't listen. So that's why we having baby number two in February. It's her fault. It's her fault. Um, how many got a Bible? I want to jump straight to the word of God. Do you have a Bible? Come on, if you got a Bible, wave it in the air like you just do care. Awesome. Some of your Bibles are glowing. That's amazing. If you have a Bible, I want to look at Numbers 11 tonight. Numbers 11, 1 through 6. And then also John chapter 6, 30 through 35. And I really believe that this is a message that you're going to be able to take with you. And it's really going to transcend this moment of Collide Conference. How many know Collide has been amazing? It's been awesome. But how many know Collide is not Vegas? <laughs> what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. What, how many know what happens at Collide cannot stay here? Come on, it has to leave here. Go back to your family, back to your school. Numbers 11, starting at verse 1. When you got to say, yeah. If you're still looking, say, hold on. All right, I'll give you some time. I'll give you some time. It says, now when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, for the Lord heard it. His anger was aroused. So the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some in the outskirts of the camp. Then the people cried out to Moses, and when Moses prayed to the Lord, the fire was quenched. So he called the name of the place Tibera, because the fire of the Lord had burned among them. Now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense craving. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic, but now our whole being is dried up. There is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. Can you say amen? Just to explain and give a little context into what in the world we just read. This is during a time period in the history of the children of Israel where God has done a supernatural, magnanimous miracle, okay? He has freed them from slavery. He's emancipated them from the chains of Egypt. They're now en route to the promised land. They're en route to the place that God has prepared for them. But watch this. En route to the promised land, they say, God, we want to go back to Egypt. We want to go back to slavery. And here's why they want to go back to slavery. So they can get some meat, some leeks, I don't even know what that is, some onions, and some garlic. That's why they want to go back to slavery, just to get some meat to eat. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the first Hunger Games right here in the Bible, okay? How in the world could you want to go back to slavery just to get some meat to eat? No meat is that good. But isn't it funny how sometimes when God brings us out of something, does an incredible work in our life, sometimes the challenge for us is to not gravitate right back towards the very thing that he brought us out of. They were sick of the manna, which was the bread that came down from heaven. I want to look at that real quick. Can we go to John chapter 6, 30 through 35? 
John 6, 30 to 35, because Jesus talks about that manna. It says, therefore they said to him, that him is Jesus, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. <laughs> Jesus is like, hashtag, you don't even know what you're talking about, okay? <laughs> he says, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Can somebody say amen up in here? I want to preach on this last night of Collide Conference, a message that I really believe is going to encourage you. I want to preach from the thought, just keep walking. Just keep walking. Walking. Now, would you do me a favor and help me preach? Look at your neighbor, get in their face, get in their personal space, and just say, neighbor. Oh, come on, don't get quiet on the last night. Say, neighbor. Whatever you do, just keep walking. Come on, find another neighbor, find another neighbor. Say, other neighbor. You're my second option. And I want to tell you, when Collide is over, you better just keep walking. Come on, if you believe God's going to speak to you tonight, give him some praise. Oh. Come on, let's, let's pray. Let's pray before we go into this word. Let's pray. It's going to be a long prayer, uh, but just bear with me. Would you bow your heads? God, you are awesome. Speak to us tonight. Amen. Just keep walking. Clyde, I absolutely, positively love my job. I feel like I have one of the greatest jobs on planet Earth because I get to travel around the world and preach the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ. I, I love my job. Matter of fact, you don't have to worry about me being frustrated on the job tonight because what I'm doing before you, I was created to do. I was born to do this. I was called to do this. As a matter of fact, I've been praying for this conference that even over this conference, God would confirm the call that is on your life. This is what I am called to do. As a matter of fact, I love my job so much, and I say this all the time, that if I was to get a call after this service from the White House and they were to tell me, Robert, real quick, you got to come to D.C., President Obama has just stepped down and we we need another chocolate brother to fill his spot. I, I would be honored and humbled that they ask, but you have to understand for me to become the president of these United States of America, it would not be a promotion, it would be a demotion because my boss is the king of kings, my boss is the lord of lords, my boss is the alpha and the omega, and he spoke the world into existence. I love my job. But, but believe it or not, although I'm called to do what I'm doing before you, and I hope this doesn't disappoint you, there was a time in the season of my life where I did not want to be a preacher. I had no desire to be a preacher, especially when I was in high school. Uh, I didn't want to be a preacher. I actually wanted to be an actor. I wanted to go to Hollywood and be an actor, an actor. I figured I looked like Denzel. 
shut up. Uh, I may as well act like him. And, and I think my aspirations to be an actor came from the fact that I love to watch movies. Anybody love to watch a good movie? Oh, I'm telling you, I am a movie fanatic. Movies are what I do when I just want to chillax. Movies are catalytic for my creativity. They're often the impetus for my imagination. And believe it or not, God speaks to me when I watch movies. He does. He speaks to me when I watch movies. Now, when I say God speaks to me when I watch movies, you assume because I'm spiritual and I'm a man of God that the only movies I watch are like Veggie Tales and Noah and the Ten Commandments. And I hate to disappoint you. Those are my favorite type of movies. My favorite movies to watch in all of the world are suspense thrillers. I love Oh, give me a suspense thriller. I don't want the romance. I don't want the comedy. I don't want a document. Give me the suspense. When I watch a movie, I want to be on the verge of a heart attack, okay? I want my chest, my heart to be beating out of my chest. I want to see situations and scenarios that are so intense that it makes me pace the floor and pray and speak in tongues as the Spirit gives me utterance for the characters on the screen. I love suspense. As a matter of fact, when I watch movies, I don't watch movies movies like some people come to church because you just come and you're kind of spectating. You're just here to kind of check it out. No, I speak back to the screen because I feel like they can hear me. I'm that dude in the movie. When I'm watching a suspense story, I'm like, oh no, no, girl, don't go back in the house. Oh, he gonna kill you. Oh, why are you going back in? You are dumb. You are really dumb. Oh, you're gonna die today. That's me watching money. Now, <laughs> That's why if it's a good movie, I need to watch it at home because I can't get kicked out of my home. I can get kicked out of a theater. What's out, Phil? After watching a movie, sometimes I will be drenched in sweat after watching a movie. And my wife will come upstairs. She'll be like, babe, were you doing CrossFit? I was like, no, I just watching the best movie of my life. That's what I was doing. And she'll go, well, I want to watch the movie. She'll go, will you watch it again? I was like, of course I'll watch it again. Then she'll go, is it romantic? I'm like, yeah, in a suspenseful kind of way. And so we'll watch the movie again, and we're getting ready to watch it again. And I'm already laughing before the movie starts because I know my wife. Like I told you, she's from Arkansas. Anybody that says Pig Suey is going to talk back to the screen too. So I'm laughing because I know what's going to happen. And sure enough, when the movie starts, she's like, oh, no. Oh, no. Is she going to go back in the house? Oh, no. She's going to die. What is she doing? And while my wife... It's going crazy. You know what I'm doing? I'm sitting on the couch going, you really need to calm down a little bit. It's not that serious. It's just a movie. She's like, how can I calm down? She's, she's going to die. She's going to go back in the house. And I'm like, babe, I'm going to go get some popcorn while you get yourself together. It's not that serious. And I found it intriguing, actually quite thought-provoking, that the second time I'm watching the movie, my wife and I are sitting on the same couch we're watching the same scenarios. We're eating the same popcorn, but we got two totally different dispositions. She is in total panic. I am in total peace. And my peace is predicated on the fact that I know how the story is going to end. Mm. Collide, 
I use that story as an appetizer to illustrate sometimes the frustration that comes with walking with God. Because how many know sometimes life can feel like you're in the middle of a suspense thriller? Come on, can we be real in here tonight? If you're saying, well, no, Robert, not me. I'm in a romantic comedy. You just keep on living, okay? Because sometimes there are things that can come on the screen of your life and in the cinema of your circumstance that make you go, oh, no, I'm going to die. What is going to happen? And have you ever felt like God is sitting on the cosmic couch of heaven talking about, you need to calm down a little bit. It's, it's not that serious. And the reason why God is telling you to calm down is because your God knows how your story is going to end. He knows in the end you're going to win. He knows that the battle has already been won. The game has already been fixed. He knows in the end you're going to win. As a matter of fact, let's be honest tonight. We know in the end that we win. We know we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. The only challenge is when you're in the middle of it, it doesn't feel like you're going to get the victory. Some of you are going to leave this conference and you're going to go back to homes. You're going to go back to environments. You're going to go back to crazy schools and you're going to be in the middle of some scenarios and situations that make your heart beat fast and you're going to say, God, I feel like I'm going to die. And how many know that's when you need your faith when you're in the middle? You need the strength for the middle of the battle. I don't need strength and faith for a beautiful beginning. I don't need strength and faith for an amazing ending. You need it for when you're in the messed up middle. And I feel like I had to talk about just the middle, the middle, the middle. I, I travel all the time, so I'm always in airports. And I've been traveling like 12 years now on the road. And before I get on every flight, every flight, I have to check my seat, make sure I confirm the right seat. Because there's one seat I don't want on the plane. One seat, I cannot stand. One seat, I cannot stand to be in. I don't mind sitting by the window. It's beautiful. I can look at God's creation. I can Snapchat the clouds. Hashtag God's the best artist. I don't mind doing that. I don't mind sitting on the aisle because then I can go straight to the bathroom and I don't have to crawl over anybody. But the seat I don't want ah, is the seat that is in the middle. You don't even get your own armrest in the middle. You're just talking about. It's messed up when you're in the middle. Ladies and gentlemen, that's exactly where the children of Israel are. They're in the middle. They're not in Egypt anymore. They're not slaves. They're not in the promised land, yet they are in the middle. And that's where the frustration happens, in the middle. Before we talk about the middle, maybe we should back that thing up and talk about what happened in their beginning. It's in Exodus 14, and I hope I don't bore you tonight because I kind of want to teach. In Exodus 14, something happens that scholars tell us is one of the clearest biblical pictures of what happens when you get saved. Something that happens in Exodus 14 that is one of the clearest pictures of salvation, and that is this. That is when the children of Israel are walking through the Red Sea en route to the Promised Land. Them walking through the Red Sea, that is the clearest biblical picture of salvation. As a matter of fact, if you're a believer, you ought to just read Exodus 14 er day just for victory about them walking through. If you want to read it, then just watch the movie, okay? You can old school with Charlton Heston or go new school the Bible series, and here's all you got to watch. Just watch them walking through the Red Sea, rewind it, watch them walk through, 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 rewind it. But close your eyes when you rewind it. Close your eyes because you don't want to see anybody backslide, okay? You don't want that on your conscience, okay? Just watch them walk through the Red Sea because that is the clearest biblical picture of salvation. Why is that? Because for 400 years, 400 full 
400 years. That's a long time. For 400 years, they were in slavery. For 400 years, they were in bondage. And in one night, they go from being slaves to being saved. In one night, they go from singing songs of sorrow to singing songs of victory. In one night, they go from being victims to understanding I am a victor because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. They got the victory in one night after 400 years. How dare you have the nerve, the audacity to say, well, Robert, I don't know if God can bring me out of the situation that I'm in because it's really been a long time I've been struggling with this. Has it been 400 years? How many know there is no stronghold that God can't bring you out of that you can't get the victory out of because we serve a mighty God. Come on, somebody give him some praise in this place tonight. <laughs> After 400 years, they got the victory in one night. Ooh, I wonder what God could do tonight on this night. If in one night they got the victory after 400 years. Now, we got to ask ourselves as critical thinkers, uh, what was the cause agent of their deliverance? First of all, you'll note it was not their morality. When their morality. It wasn't like God came down with the Ten Commandments and said, do all of y'all solemnly swear to keep all of these commandments? Otherwise, I'm not going to split the Red Sea. Do y'all promise? You better put your hand up. This water is cold had nothing to do with their morality. So get this idea out of your head that you got to get yourself together for you to come to Jesus. How many know you don't get yourself together? You can't get yourself together. You are too hashtag messed up. That's why you need a savior because you can't fix yourself. Come on, somebody. Oh, that's the greatest day of your life, the day you realize I cannot fix myself. I cannot help myself. As a matter of fact, to me, one of the funniest sections in Barnes and Nobles, if I just want to get a good laugh, I don't go to the comic section, I go to this section right here. Self-help. <laughs> really? Self? How in the world you going to help yourself? If there's two words that don't need to go together, it's self and help. You can't help yourself. How in the world are you going to do self-help? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm changing my life with self-help. How does that work? Well, I just uh, help myself get myself out of the mess that I got myself into. <laughs> self-help don't work. That's why you need a savior. So he didn't save them because of their morality. Watch this. He didn't even save them according to their level of faith. Because, I mean, you had a lot of people walking through this Red Sea, so you even got different levels of faith walking through. You had some people who were walking through with great faith. They were like, Psh, I told y'all God was going to bring us out. I told y'all we were going to get the victory. I knew God was going to set us free. I told y'all he had sovereign swag. It was only a matter of time before we was going to get set free. They were walking through with great faith. But you know what? Some people who were walking through who had little or no faith, and they were talking about, oh, Lord, Moses, don't drop your hand, man. I can't swim. And they were scared. So why did God save them? He saved them because they had been crying out to a God that they had heard about but hadn't experienced. And that God responded not to their deeds, but to their need. He responded to their need. Can I tell you, if you got a need in this place tonight, how many know you're at the right place, at the right time, at the right moment? Because God responds to the needs of his people. Woo. Are y'all bored yet? Because I actually, I want to go deeper because we cannot approach this text like it's just a cute Sunday school story because there's so much revelation in this text. As a matter of fact, this is an Old Testament passage. And you've got to understand the whole Old Testament, in fact, the whole Bible is just giving you blues clues to one person whose name is Jesus, okay? And this is the Old Testament passage. And if you're a student of the word, you understand the Old Testament 
is simply a shadow of what Christ is in the New Testament. It's just a shadow, just a shadow. How many of you on the front row here, can y'all see my shadow that's being cast down there on the stage? Can y'all see my shadow? See my shadow? How many of you know my shadow has to do what I do? Like if I lift up my hand, my shadow better lift up his hand, okay? If I start doing the nay-nay, my shadow better do the nay-nay, okay? If I start doing the nay-nay and my shadow goes, y'all got to find another preacher, okay? I am dropping the mic and running home, okay? My shadow has to do what I do. Watch this. My shadow proves two things, two things. Number one, I am real. I'm a real object. And there is light in this room. Because Jesus is real. And because he is the light of the world, it casts a shadow, which is the Old Testament. The Old Testament is just a shadow of what Christ is in the New Testament. Now watch this. If you look at my shadow, you cannot get distinctive features. Like you can't look at my shadow and know I'm a chocolate brother. You can't look at my shadow and know my eye color or my hair color. You know why? It's just a shadow. And there's characters that you read about in the Old Testament. They are not Jesus, but they're just giving you previews of a coming attraction. They're just setting up what Jesus is going to do when he steps up on the scene. So with that in mind, it brings this incredible revelation to our scripture today because we understand that the children of Israel become a shadow of the church and the believer. Woo! Pharaoh becomes a shadow of Satan. Egypt becomes a shadow of sin, which is why Pharaoh wants them to stay there. Moses becomes a shadow of Christ because Moses was born for no other reason than to bring salvation, deliverance, and freedom because that's what our God does. Come on, somebody. It's just a shadow of which Christ is the reality. The Old Testament Passover that was instituted where they would take this innocent lamb, <laughs> kill that lamb, and then sprinkle the blood of the lamb on a wooden doorpost. So when the death angel saw the blood of the lamb on the wooden doorpost, it would pass over that house. That's just giving you a preview of another lamb who's going to be slain. But his blood will not be shed on a wooden doorpost. It's going to be shed on a wooden cross. So when you identify with the cross of Jesus Christ, come on somebody, death has to pass over your life. Disease has to pass over your life. It's just a shadow. The Red Sea that they walk through, that becomes a shadow of baptism. Ooh, if you got saved this week at conference, make sure you get baptized on Sunday or whenever the next baptism is because them walking through the Red Sea is a picture of baptism. It says the old me when is in Egypt, but when I come through this water, the, old, the new me is stepping into my promise and into the place that God has for me. Come on, somebody. It's just a shadow. Now, if that don't make you praise God, something is wrong with you, for real though, for real though. Because as soon as they walked through the Red Sea and they saw Pharaoh and all of his horses and all of his men drown in that water, they turned all the way up. They had the biggest praise party. They're like, ah! They started dancing. They started getting it. They started shouting. In my mind, I see Moses giving a speech like, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty. We are free at last. I'll see it in my mind, okay, the NIV, Negro International Version. And uh, <laughs> they had fun. It was awesome. They're not slaves. They're free. But watch this. Once the excitement was over, once the water went back together, once the lights and the smoke dissipated. Ooh. Once 
collide had ended, they're now faced with a question that you always have to ask yourself anytime you have an encounter with God. And that question is this. Who am I now? Who am I now? I know I'm no longer a slave, and now I'm saved, but how do I walk in that when I have been a slave for so long? Let me say it another way. I know I'm out of Egypt, but how do I get Egypt out of me? See, this is what a lot of church people don't like to deal with. They don't like to deal with the fact that you can be out of Egypt, but not have Egypt out of you. And when you're out of Egypt, but Egypt's not out of you, it is frustrating, it is annoying, it makes you feel like you're schizophrenic because you know you had an encounter with God. Come on, anybody in here know you had an encounter with God this week at Colossae? You know you did. You know it. Undeniable. Problem is, you still got some Egypt behavior. You still got some Egypt mentality. See, this is when you start making what I call if I, then why statements. Have you ever made an if I, then why statement? It goes like this. It's like, if I have the peace of God, then why am I so stressed out? You ever made an if I, then why statement? Come on, can we be real in here tonight? It's like, if, if I have the mind of Christ, then why do I have things come to my mind that I know Jesus, Mary, Joseph, the angels, the wise men, and the donkey would not be thinking about? Come on. Have you ever made an if I, then why statement? It's like, if I have Jehovah Jireh, my provider, then why is my money funny, my change is strange, and I keep putting in applications and nobody's calling me back for a job? Come on. Have you ever made an if I, then why statement? It's because you're out of Egypt. But Egypt is not out of you. What a lot of people don't understand about Christianity, and if you're taking notes, this might be worth writing down. That is, initially, Christianity is a change of status more than it is a change of behavior. Round it till you give it to you again. <laughs> initially, Christianity is a change of status more than it is a change of behavior. Watch this. They were in Egypt. They were slaves. God set them free in a moment, they're now saved. Their status changed immediately. The challenge before they step into the promised land is how do I get my behavior to come into alignment with my new status? The challenge that faces us every single day is how do we get our behavior to come into alignment with our status? And ladies and gentlemen, that is a process. It is a process. And I felt like on the last night, God wanted me to tell somebody, don't you give up in the process. Just keep walking. Just keep walking. Somebody say process. Oh, it is a process. I wish it wasn't. I wish, I wish walking with God was like Hot Pockets. Two minutes and you're good to go. Wouldn't that be awesome? You just come to collide and psh, you wake up the next morning, you float in the room and worship music plays behind you. Oh, but it's not like a hot pocket. As a matter of fact, I think God is a lot more oven than he is microwave because it is a process to become who God has called you to be. Don't give up in the process. Can I tell you why it's a process? Are you bored? Let me tell you why it's a process. Part of the reason it's a process it's because of the way you were created. How many know you were created in the image of God? You created in the image of God. And watch this. Your God is three in one. He's three 
in one. Sound effects always make it better, okay? He's three in one. God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, three in one. And because you were created in his image, guess what? You are three in one. You're three in one. It is three of you sitting in that seat right now. Some of you are like, oh, that's why I was hearing that voice the other day. <laughs> no, you just might be cray-cray. No, I'm playing, I'm playing. You're good. But you're three in one. I'll show you. You are a spirit housed in a body, and you have a soul. Three in one. Now, when you put your faith in Jesus, immediately your spirit comes alive. Instantaneously. That which was dead comes alive. That's why snot is going this way and your mascara is going the other way because that which was dead has now come alive. Spirit immediately changes. Immediately. Watch this. Your body, not so much. Not so much, okay? If you had like a gut, like a one-pack before you gave your life to Jesus and then you prayed a prayer, look at your stomach. You still got the one-pack, okay? It don't turn into a six-pack just because you got saved, okay? You want a six-pack, you got to go to the gym uh, and rebuke Krispy Kreme donuts in the name of Jesus, okay? okay? You got to wait till heaven to get your new body. Your body doesn't change. Body doesn't change. Your soul, huh? well, that's where the fight is. That's the middle seat because in my soul, I have my thoughts, I have my emotions, I have my will, I have the pain of my past. And watch this, you gotta allow the same spirit of God that changed you in a moment, through a process, change your soul. Through coming to the house of God and getting a, being participatory and not just being a spectator, through reading the word of God and not just waiting for a preacher to open up the word of God, through worshiping, not just at Kalai, but worshiping at home, and over time, all of a sudden, you become who God has called and created you to be. It is a process, but don't you give up just because you're in the process. Furthermore, don't let the enemy make you doubt your citizenship in the kingdom of God just because you're in process. Ooh, hear me. Because the enemy loves to come into your mind and make you doubt your citizenship in the kingdom of God just because you're in process. Let me see if I can explain it like this, and, and I'm almost done. Um, first of all, I forgot to tell you this at the beginning, and I totally apologize for this. I forgot to let you know this at the beginning. Um, I don't let you know that I am African-American. Did you know that? I don't want that to slip by you, okay? I'm African-American. As a matter of fact, I am one of the realest African-Americans you will ever see in your entire life. Like, I think it's in Guinness World Records. Like, I am for real african -Amer Like, you should take a picture. I'm for real African-American, okay? For real African-American. You say, how is that, Robert? My dad, he's from Nigeria, okay? He's from Africa. He came to America. He came to America, like Eddie Murphy in the movie. Came to America. <laughs> Some of y'all too young to laugh at that, but that's funny. He came, <laughs> he came to America. Uh, he met my mom, who's American, okay? So when your dad's African and your mom's American, that makes you... Ooh, y'all the smart class. I'm African-American, okay? Now... When my dad came to these United States of America, he was not an American citizen. He was not an American citizen. I think it's been 30 plus years he has been an American citizen, but when he came, he was not. He had to apply for citizenship. So I think they did an interview. I don't know what happened. I think he took a test and they asked him all these questions. I don't know what happened, but when it was all said and done, I don't know what happened. Maybe they stamped his forehead, but they said, you are now a United States citizen, okay? But how many of you know after being deemed a United States citizen, my dad did not wake up the next morning and go, hello. My name is Robert Madu Sr. We have the same name. And I am now a United States citizen. How many know it did not go down like that, okay? If anything, my dad woke up the next morning and he went, hello, 
My name is Robert Madu Senior, and I am a United States citizen, okay? That's how it went down. <laughs> no citizenship was going to change my dad's accent, okay? No citizenship. He don't sound like one, but he's a United States citizen. Not only that, my dad was a United States citizen. He had never seen football before. Never seen American football before. Never seen it. He is watching the TV going, what are these idiots doing? This is not football. The football, I know, you take a ball and you kick it with your foot. This is not football. He's a United States citizen. Has never seen football before. Huh. Oh, it gets worse. My dad was a United States citizen. He had never had pizza before. That's what I said. Never had pizza before. Somebody said, you want pizza? He goes, what is that? I don't know pizza. I know goat. I know chicken. I don't know pizza, okay? United States citizen. Never had pizza before. Not only that, my dad was a United States citizen. He had never seen snow before. Never seen snow before. Somebody said, oh, have you been to Africa? <laughs> it doesn't snow in Africa, okay? It is hot in Africa, okay? I have preached crusades in Africa, open air crusade. It is another level of heat, and it is hot in Africa, okay? I'm telling you, another level of heat. I stepped off the plane. My nose hairs got singed. That's how hot it was in Africa. I mean, it is so hot. Some of you are like, oh, it's so hot here in Arkansas. This is a cool breeze in Africa, okay? It is hot, hot. The thermometer just said hell. That's how hot it was in Africa. So hot, Chris, so hot. I saw some flies who wouldn't even fly. That's how hot it was. They got ready to, they're like, it's stupid. Y'all want to walk? It's too hot for this today, man. <laughs> so my dad had never seen snow before. And true story, he thought if snow landed on you, it would hurt you. <laughs> he thought it was acidic or something. And of all places, of all places, he lands in New York City in the wintertime. People, I can't make this up. This is my dad walking outside through New York as snow is coming down. Oh, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, don't let the snow hit me. Scared of snow. Now, you laugh, you laugh, but that was 30 plus years ago. It's 30 plus years ago. Today, huh, the man knows more about football than I do. He'll be at my house watching the game, throwing pillows at the flat screen, going, these referees are cheating. That was a catch by Des Bryant. The Dallas Cowboys should be in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Oh, he knows about football now. He'll get so frustrated watching the Cowboys, which they can make you get frustrated sometimes. He'll go, son, I can't watch this anymore. Please just order me some pizza. Now he knows about pizza. We had a little ice storm not too long ago come through Dallas, a little ice storm. And because my dad is the greatest man of God that I know and such a servant, he is outside on his street, not only shoveling the ice on his driveway, but he's shoveling the ice on everybody's driveway on the street, going, I don't want anybody to fall and get hurt. Let me shovel this. He's shoveling something that he used to be afraid of. See, the enemy loves to come into your mind and make you doubt your citizenship in the kingdom of God just because there's areas of weakness in your life. But that's when you need to look at the enemy and say, you are a liar. God is not through with me yet. I'm not perfect, but I'm in the perfecting process. And sooner or later, I'm going to become everything that God has called me to be. Come on, somebody. He is the author and the perfecter of your faith. He who began a good work in you shall be faithful to complete it to the day of Christ Jesus. Hear me, don't you give up just because you're in the process.
Don't let the enemy make you doubt your citizenship in the kingdom of God just because you're in process. Because he loves to come to your mind and make you say, oh, if God really moved in your life at Collide, you wouldn't be struggling with that. If God really moved, you wouldn't have had that thought. He loves to come in your mind. But can I tell you, God is not looking for your perfection. He's not. If God was looking for perfection, he would look in the mirror. I'm looking at the God in the I don't know where that came from, but I just had to throw it in. He's not looking for your perfection. Watch this. He is looking at your direction, where you're going. And that's why once this conference is over, once this night is over, you got to just keep walking. Just keep walking. So hear me. And uh, somebody can come to piano and play softly. <laughs> You know, whenever soft music plays behind a preacher, you sound more spiritual. Um, it's true. So God takes the children of Israel, watch this, through the wilderness. Because after he got them out of Egypt, he then has to get Egypt out of them. And I was rereading that thing today, and I was like, Lord, why did you have to take them through the wilderness? How many of you know the wilderness is a messed up place to take somebody? You understand that God could have taken them straight from Egypt, Star Trek style, next day in the promised land. No, he takes them through the wilderness. I was like, the wilderness is such a messed up place to take somebody. Never in Genesis do you see God going, let there be wilderness. <laughs> it's dry in the wilderness. Seems like there's no resources. But I found out sometimes God will let you go through a wilderness season because it's in the wilderness that you understand that he is your source. It's in the wilderness you understand he is the only thing that you need. Sometimes when things are stripped away from you in the wilderness, you get a revelation that Jesus plus nothing equals absolutely everything. Come on, young people. That's why your praise goes to a whole nother level. Your worship goes to a whole nother level after a breakup. <laughs> Isn't it funny? As soon as they break up, you're like, oh, God, I need you. You're like a pre-pre-service prayer. <laughs> Why? Because you gave your heart to that pimple-faced dude. Dude, you gave your heart to that girl because she was so hot. God said they shouldn't have had your heart in the first place. And if I got to let you go through a wilderness season to show you that I am the only thing that you need, I'll let that happen. Takes him through the wilderness, and he does all these supernatural miracles in the wilderness. Ooh, you should read it sometime. He did some awesome miracles. People, Moses hit a rock. Fiji water starts coming out of a rock. Incredible miracles. People, Panera bread just starts falling from the sky every day. Incredible miracles. You would think after all those miracles, you would think after God bringing them out of Egypt, that every day they would have gotten up and said, God, thank you so much for bringing us the victory. God, thank you so much we're not slaves anymore. Thank you for providing. It's not what they did. Bible says, one day they got up and said, Lord, we want to go back to Egypt. We want to go back to slavery. What? What in the world will make somebody cry out to go back to the thing that they cried out to get out of? Isn't it funny how freedom can be frustrating? Because sometimes when God brings us out of something, it is so much easier to walk back to what is familiar than it is to walk by faith. It is so much easier to go back to what you've always known 
than to say, God, I'm going to trust you for what's ahead. But God told me to tell somebody in this place today, you cannot go back to what is familiar because God didn't call you to walk by what is familiar. Come on, he called you to walk by faith. So you got to just keep walking. Come on, how many of you know God has greater in front of you than what's been behind you? So just keep walking. Your destiny is so much greater than your history. So just keep walking. This conference is over. The enemy's going to be screaming for you to go back. Just keep walking. We have service again. Or your church, you come to service again. You don't feel like going. Just keep walking. You're reading the Word of God, and sometimes you don't even know what you're reading. Just keep walking. That person that God said cut off that relationship and all of a sudden you do at this conference but three weeks later you get lonely and they start texting you and you're lonely and they're saying, hey, what you doing? Smiley face. Delete their number and just keep walking. Because greater is in front of you than what's been behind you. I'll, I'll close with this and I'm going to ask the whole worship team to come. Yeah. I'll never forget hearing this story of this police dog. This police dog specialized in high-speed chases. Whenever the police were chasing a suspect, they would send this dog to help them get the suspect. And one day, this dog is chasing a suspect and bolts out in the middle of a busy intersection. And cars are just flying by. Phew, phew, phew. Car didn't see the dog. Slams on his brakes, but it was too late. The car hits the dog, and the impact was so intense, the car completely crushed the dog's hind legs. The dog survived the accident. The accident affected the dog's walk. It caused the dog to walk by flailing its front legs in front and dragging its hind legs behind would flail its front legs in front and then drag its hind legs behind. Come to find out, when the dog got hit by the car, it was pregnant with puppies. Dog gave birth to the puppies. Puppies were healthy, beautiful. Nothing wrong with the puppy's legs. But when the puppies got ready to walk, guess how they walked? By flailing their front legs in front and dragging their hind legs behind. And the veterinarian had the hardest time trying to get these puppies to realize, hello, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with your legs. You've just been walking out the dysfunction that was modeled in front of you. So the veterinarian, watch this, began the process of teaching these puppies to walk the way they were created to walk. Teaching these puppies to walk the way they were designed to walk. Teaching these puppies to walk the way their creator intended their legs and their ligaments to move and to function. Come on, somebody. You know why you had to be at Collide Conference? Because every time you came into a session, every time you heard the word of God, come on, every time you lifted up your hands in worship, do you know what God was doing? He was teaching you how to walk the way you were created to walk. 
walk, the way you were designed to walk, not the way culture wants you to walk, but the way your creator wants you to walk. Is there anybody in here that says, I'm ready to just keep walking? I'm not going back to what is familiar, but I'm going to keep on moving by faith. Come on, if that's you, would you give God some praise in this place? Oh, come on, if you're ready to leave Collide and keep walking in your future, come on, give God some praise in this place. Come on, let's lift up our voice and lift up our hands. We're going to just keep walking. Come on.